0: Kings, Minecrafters, and welcome to another Minecraft discussion on this lovely, lovely uh, July morning. This is Kimberly Quinn, and I am thrilled to have a conversation with you again about um, how we are wired for spirituality. And based on that, you know, I've been been reading this book by Lisa Miller called The Awakened Brain, and I've just added to my list of great teachers. She's just amazing. Today, though, we're going to take this past what we were talking about last time as far as depression and spirituality basically being two sides of the same coin. And we're going to go into the modes of awareness of which there are two. And so first, I'm um, talking about uh, Lisa's research again. Just reminding everyone what the difference between an MRI and a little fMRI because it's important for what we're talking about. So the MRI is a big coffin-shaped thing that's claustrophobic. And if you blow out you know, an ankle or a knee playing soccer, volleyball in the backyard or whatever, that's how they tell you know, with a rip star in the ligaments and tendons and such like that. Whereas an fMRI with a little F in the front in italics measures blood flow. It measures activity, actual movement in the brain. So obviously the more movement, the more activity there is, the more oxygen is consumed, heat's produced, blah, blah, blah. So that's what the fMRI tracks. It tracks actual activity. And when there's lots of activity, the fire colors will kind of show on the scan, you know, the reds and the yellows and the, and the oranges. And so, you know, Lisa wanted to jump in, and she wanted to jump in with with young adults. I believe they were eight, the ages from 18 to 27, and this is because we, we would call this late adolescence. We mentioned that before, and I explain this to my students, and I do a disclaimer of it's not meant to be condescending. It's not saying, you know, you're acting like teenagers or something. Um However, from a brain standpoint, from a neurological standpoint, the, the, the prefrontal cortex is not fully developed in either genetic males or genetic females until the age of 25. So there's lots happening neurologically speaking because they really half baked bread or two-thirds baked bread. And so obviously Lisa's aware of this, and so <clears throat> she wanted to, excuse me, um, work with uh, participants who are 18 to 27 considered, neurologically speaking, in late adolescence. And late adolescence is also when, uh, you know, the highest degree, you know, percentage or whatever of the onset for most mental illnesses, this is when it happens. The depression, the anxiety, all that stuff And the sort of traditional college years is when most of this stuff surfaces. This is also when spirituality often deepens. And so, what a great, you know, sort of, um, there's a loud bird over there. She's singing a beautiful note. As I'm outside on the deck, you can probably hear the nature sounds out here. It's very nice. So so depression and spirituality both can kind of take off during this time frame. So what a great, so what a great time to really measure this, you know, and as, as far as research goes. And so what she did was she had these young adult participants um, describe three narratives. And one... With, with the fMRI on, obviously, one stressful event, one relaxing event, and one spiritual experience, and with as much detail as possible. And so uh, the re- results were about that half of the spiritual recollections or narratives included um, such things such as prayer or experience that happened during a religious service And then there also was a lot of sort of reporting or emphasis on sounds, such as bells, singing, or singing of prayers. I have to tell you, I have a student who, um, just this past semester, she was very into sound bells. I I think her father gave them to her for her birthday. And she was a first year, or or now she's a second year, aspiring second year, lovely young lady. And she offered to do them for her classmates, for our mindfulness minute in the beginning of class. And she also did it at the Defense Against Art, Dark Arts Club that I run. And I, I always knew sound was obviously uh, very therapeutic, very calming. And and also um, when she did that, because I, I experienced this lots because she came into each class and came into several defense club meetings. And it really does, just the vibration really does, is spiritual. I felt it even in the room with, you know, 18 students. I, I felt it really does kind of move the spirit, as they say, without seeming cliche. Um, so I get that. Okay. Now this is totally cool. Okay. So we had the half that talked about, um, you know, just in, including with what, when they felt spiritual, they reported some sort of, some sort of prayer Again, we're not talking about denominational, organized anything. Some talked about uh, religious service, though, and but that's not the focus. And and some talked about the, uh, you know, different sounds. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, this is totally cool. The other half of these young adults talked about the barrier between self and others or self and the world, right? Or this, this um, you know, brick wall between self and the world. And they talked about... This spiritual experience is just melting this wall away, and that is so cool. And if you remember with our the last episode, we we're talking about that certain areas of the brain, and specifically Lise looked, so she's looking at um you know perception orientation and then reflection. So we talked about the occipital lobe, which is in the back of the head, responsible for kind of in, uh, integrating our sense our visual sensory experience into something we can quote unquote see right and then the parietal lobe is all about sort of spatial orientation so we talked about it's actually it's what we it's what's mainly happening when we're trying to parallel park you know not not clipping the person in front of us or behind us but the precuneus part of the parietal lobe is also responsible for reflection and we're making the parietal lobe also connects us our inner life to what's going on around us in the external world. This is very important. It's ma- like making the bridge between what's going on, on the inside and what's going on, on the outside, and and enables us to see the bigger picture of how we fit in the world. Okay, so this is totally cool and something I can definitely relate to myself. Is that the other you know the roughly other half of the personal narratives about the spiritual experience that did not involve the prayer or like a religious service or something like that were like heavy on the nature experience spiritual awareness in nature like the mountains or you know being in the woods uh, bodies of water such as the beach or even in an urban area um, a pond you can be in central park and take in nature right and so these all these narratives also included like um sometimes light Starry nights, you know, bluebird skies, just all that sort of thing. And the message was: the message reported by these young adults was that you are a part of everything around you, and it is all a part of you. That's what Lisa Miller says. You're linked with the trees, the rocks, the mountains, and the sky. You are just a speck in the universe. Yet, yet the universe is all within you, and that's just awesome. And so. There you have it, these spiritual experiences, and they're measured on the little fMRI scan. Beautiful. And then Lisa talks about, um, so we had had like almost half with the, you know, prayer and religious service experience, and then the the almost other half talking about um, just the whole nature thing with the sky and the mountains and all that. And then there, there were a few that didn't really mention either one of those too much, but were more focused on the feeling of transcendence that they felt, um, uh, like at a sporting event or immersed in music or something like that. And again, the emphasis was on the, the feeling or experience of being a part of something larger that went, you know, beyond the body you know, into like talking about the sporting event, like a cheering crowd and the roar of that. Or I'm thinking when our daughter and I ran a marathon with just these strangers, you know, never going to see them again, more than likely, right? Just yip yipping for you and everything like that. You really do feel such a crazy connection. And then the other one with music, I've heard that a lot from people. My students talk about the music thing, actually, but this, the idea of transcending, right? Meaning rising above and, and entering into this realm of a sensation of being part of something bigger than all of us is awesome. Okay. So I'm just going to read this quick little excerpt from Lisa books, Lisa Miller's book. Remember it's called the awakened brain. She's now new, one of my new great teachers added to the list. So Lisa says, she says, no matter whether the spiritual experience was secular or religious, whether it took place indoors or in nature in solitude or with others, All of the spiritual narratives shared important themes and physical sensations. Physically, the participants felt warm, calm, energized, and more alive. Their hearts beat faster, their senses sharpened, their nagging thoughts disappeared. Emotionally, they experienced clarity, awe, openness, peace, and unity, and felt a powerful sensation with, and sometimes overwhelming, love for other people, a higher power or their surroundings. That I just love that. That's what we're talking about, this transcendent feeling, which is also, and it's just amazing how these brilliant minds think alike. You know, Abraham Maslow, in his his pyramid of, of needs, hierarchy of needs, the, his very top one is transcendence of self. You know, he has the self-actualization as one before that, coming into how we fit in the world, blah, blah, blah. And then it's the transcendent piece where we realize that's the top, pinnacle of the hierarchy of needs is to so I like how he also says needs Abraham Maslow because we need we need to feel as if we are part of something bigger that's what we're talking about here it also when we realize there's a higher power you know creator of all things source of the capital S whatever you want to call that universe it also takes the pressure off okay so then Lisa continues boundaries dissolved it wasn't just that they felt a sense of ease or peace or of of an absence of pain or agitation, it wasn't just that it was a nice day or the sun was out and the flowers smelled good and they felt happy. There was a specific meaning attached to the physical and emotional experience, a feeling of oneness with the environment or the divine, a sense of their own individual voice or identity or presence dissolving into something larger, around, or beyond them. They narrated direct felt experiences of oneness, moments in which they had an awareness of moving from a point to a wave. I love that. Moving from a point to a wave. And they narrated an attentional pop of awareness, moments of sudden guidance when a problem or conflict or question resolved in an insight or realization. See, I love that. And my friend Tom, I've talked about him a lot with his, Work on synchronicity because once we sort of get it, really get it, that we're all connected in a divine sense again, I'm not talking about organized religion, I'm talking about realizing, you know, that there's a universal energy source, right? A higher power. Once we actually get that, the green lights really start to show up. And Tom, my friend Tom, talks about the green lights as being, um, providing guidance, like, okay, like it's, it's, if you've ever had that experience just out there in regular life, you know, you have these, these moments of synchronicity or serendipity where you just know you're meant to talk to that person. You're meant to go this direction. You're meant to show up at that coffee shop. You just feel it. You're not thinking about it. You just feel it. And from whatever that experience is or whatever, you know, being pointed in that direction, out comes something that was good for you. And you just had this aha moment that you were meant to be there in that place at exactly that time. And it's only when we get that we are part of this divine connection do those green lights start to show up. And also there's red lights, but we'll get to that later. So then Lisa says, I'll just repeat this last one. They had a pop of awareness, moments of sudden guidance when a problem or conflict or question resolved in an insight or realization. And then she has in quotes, and then I realized that I'm held and God has a plan for me. And suddenly I knew that I'm part of all life and that I will find my direction and that I will find my direction. And so, you know, a lot of, I just, oh my God, I just love this book. And so Lisa Miller, you know, basically and her team found out that whether these young adults had this, you know, engaged spiritual experience in an actual, you know, church or temple service, whatever organized religious service, or I'm thinking of myself on the chairlift. I, oh my God, I feel so spiritual on the chairlift and also in the trees skiing also in church for me, but, and wow, do I feel at home in winter wonderland? I'm a winter person and I just feel part of the trees, part of the snow, part of my skis, part of everything. And the the silence is almost loud. I, I can't even explain it, but she found that whether it's like that in na- nature, like a cathedral of nature, which in those of us skiers who ski the trees, we call it the canopy effect. And it's it's just, it's just the most gorgeous, you know, uh, church or temple ever. Or whether they had a nice structured thing that it was really, they're all saying the same things as far as what it felt like. That, that we felt a certain belonging, you know, a certain oneness with the universe, source, God, however you want to say it. And she, I love how this too, uh, Lisa talks about it being a matter of choice. <clears throat> you know, in the times when people don't like when I say that about happiness, you know, too, and, and that you don't know, understand. Yes, I do. The thing is, no matter how we are wired and we, all, we are all wired differently, and some of us who have something extra to deal with, I myself am a card-carrying member of the Fast Mind Club, and it certainly takes more effort some on some days than others, it still comes right down to it. And she talks about Her research, you know, there are people from different socioeconomic backgrounds and genetics and, you know, family and environment and IQ and this and that and that and this and whatever, and that when it comes down to it, it mattered what the participants saw and sort of how they experienced the whole thing and how they sort of grabbed the reins on their own inner life. So by making a choice, a perceptual choice, this same participant, this young adult could either be awake. You're experiencing this wonderful spiritual awakened brain or be really strung out. Okay, and so Lisa Miller, I just, she, she is totally added on my list of people that I really, really, really want to have a lengthy lunch with. Oh my gosh, I, I would just love to have a, such a conversation with her. Okay, so there are two modes of awareness of the awakened brain. There are two modes. And what's interesting is we do need them both. We just have to kind of keep a handle on I really I keep a handle on both of them. And the first one is it is called Elisa calls it achieving awareness. And that sort of is about the perception um that our you know that our purpose is to kind of have some organization and gain control over our lives. So uh so when she, she talks about that like when we live through this mode of awareness, achieving awareness that our basic, you know, more foundational concern is about the question of how can I, how can I get and keep what I want? That's really what about what it's about. And this mode of awareness is obviously very useful, very practical and often necessary. You know, it, um, it sort of provides us with focus, you know, like a focused attention and, um, and, and commitment, the commitment that's necessary to achieve, you know, goals and to allow ourselves to, uh, you know, like kind of direct our engagement and attention and energy to a specific task. Like an example she has here is like to study for an exam or finish a project or to, you know, jump in the car and get someplace on time or to rehearse or practice a skill that we need the achievement awareness, you know, to kind of do the world basically now this is important because we need the achieving awareness. We need the achievement awareness. Um, and it's, it's also important to realize that when it's overused, like kind of like when we lean too heavily on achievement awareness um, and, you know, using it sort of exclusively that this can override and change the actual structure of the brain, which is obviously not what we want. Carving the pathways for one, for one to be depressed And maybe anxious, of course, anxiety and depression go together like peas and carrots or to carve the way for stress and craving, actually. So when this is out of whack, achieving awareness um, can be narrowly focused and sort of derail us from the bigger picture, you know, um, become kind of making us become obsessed with same track thinking and and idea, you know, ideas, you know, also help or, or contributing to. Sort of this uh, um, place of, of never feeling satisfied, as well as loneliness and isolation. That's huge, at least in the U.S. right now. Loneliness is actually an epidemic, right? Epidemic, right up there, right up there with heart disease and obesity and smoking, as far as the cause of death. So it's important to keep this in check. And you know, it's also important to realize that when we get sort of, you know, sucked into to staying in in the in the mode of achieving awareness for too long. That this can sort of cause a perceptual pro- a problem because we get, um, as she, as Lisa puts it, like this very inflated sense of control and, and you know we've talked about this a lot in other episodes that control is really an illusion it's really one big illusion my friend Bjarne talks about that a lot and and what happens is when we get hooked into this illusion of control and over or over inflated sense of control we can become disconnected. From everybody else around us, or she says, like the heartbeat of everybody else around us, which is almost poetic, you know. So, um, she even says, overblown, it becomes craving and addiction, and that we can need a bigger dose of whatever it is to feel good, and that no amount of control or success is going to get rid of the craving. I mean, it's so it's it's very, very important to have a handle on this because we need it, yet we don't want to reside there. And then, uh, Lisa Miller of the Awakened Brain moves into the awakened awareness, which is just so cool. And she says, when we engage the awakened brain, right, the awakened awareness, this is how we make sense of the different parts of our brain. You know, that we, she says that we can literally sort of, um, I guess our our metaphor, I want to say vision, like metaphorically speaking, but it's not really metaphorically speaking, it's real, that we can actually see more kind of, uh, when we engage this part of the this um, awakened awareness, we are better able to integrate inf- information from multiple sources that are coming through our per- perceptual pathways. So they, therefore, instead of seeing ourselves as the, as these, you know, solo makers of our journeys, we begin to see ourselves as seekers along along the, the journey or path. And that we look across this you know, broad, broad landscape and, and kind of ask this question, um, what is the universe or life trying to show me now? What's going on? And so what we're talking about is like this This awakened awareness is so huge because I'm thinking of my friend Tom again with the synchronicity stuff. Once the, the brain, or we tap into, because again, we're all wired for it, right? That's the whole point of this episode in, in her book. We're all wired for it. So once we kind of get that and engage with it and tap into it, that's when the green lights, as we were talking about earlier, start to show up, which means more, we, we're we able to then perceive or see more choices, more opportunities that are available to us. And mega important is that we it becomes very, very clear on a million levels about how we are so connected to each other. We're not just a bunch of islands, like way out there in the deep end of the ocean that we are... We are all connected to each other, and we also um, remember the cortical thickening we talked about, right? Because this the awakened brain has a thick cortex, and that also is is one of the parts of the brain that makes the bridge between our between our inner lives and the ex, the external world, right? So we can then piece together and figure out where we fit in the big schema of things, and it becomes so much more clear. We begin to creativity can soar. We, we just make, we get all this, all kinds of insight just kind of lands in our lap and imagination. And, and probably the, uh, the hugest thing is we can really tap into our own authentic, our own authentic purpose and meaning that is unique to us. So the bullets in bold here is that we need both of them we need we need achievement awareness and we need awakened awareness and and again with the awakened awareness we kind of get it that we are um basically you know just woven i think she says woven into this fabric of you know uh universal divine knowledge and that we are never ever really alone we can feel like that we need to shift to in, into a place of engagement because we are not alone we absolutely not and then um, she talked about how the team, you know, was kind of able to see this that spiritual awakening is a choice, just like I talk with my students about with happiness. Happiness is also a choice. And that we can make a choice we can make at every single moment. Every single moment. Every with every single one of our life minutes, there can be a choice to be spiritually awake. A choice of how we perceive ourselves and how we fit in this wonderful world we live in. Excellent. Okay, two modes of awareness, achievement mode and, sorry, achievement awareness and awakened awareness. Awesome. This is Kimberly Quinn signing off for Northern Vermont. Have a mindful day.